So I want to first apologize to listeners that Jamie and I have been just slammed with trying to get things done for our businesses these last couple of weeks. And we haven't uploaded new episodes as often as we'd like. And a lot of the things that we have to keep up with for our businesses are changing really quickly. And we don't always have time to update you on what we're doing or programs and resources that may now be available to you. Um, And when we have talked, I think we've mostly vented about continued frustrations that we're having. And it may not have made for great episodes. So I wanted to share my thoughts at least about what was going on with me. I'll talk business first and then opinions after so that if you don't want to stick around and hear my opinions, you don't have to. Um, But that's actually one of the things that I want to talk about later is facts versus opinions. This is Entrepreneurs Anonymous. So first, I sat in on a really informative virtual town hall last week that was organized by a previous guest on our podcast, Tiffany Henry, with the North Carolina Small Business Center. They had a banker, an attorney, and an accountant on the panel. And most of the information was specifics about the PPP, the EIDL, and new employment laws. You can access all of that info and any of their other upcoming free webinars and ask the experts type meetings by simply searching Facebook for SCC Small Business Center. Um, But really quickly, let me share five things that I thought were great takeaways from that discussion um, late last week. So number one, you must keep up with and have a paper trail for your PPP spending. Um, And the easiest way may be to open a separate free business checking account and only put those PPP funds in there to be used for the permitted uses that can be forgiven. So then the paper trail writes itself, basically. Um, Be careful with these funds if you are lucky enough to have gotten one so far because they can create large monthly payments to repay if you screw up the paper trail and don't get them forgiven. The payback period is 18 months, and if you got substantial funds, that's a big payment, no matter the interest rate. Uh, Number two, there's also an employee retention credit available. If you haven't tried or had any success with the other programs, it's designed for those of you that are able to maintain the employment of your people. And it's up to $10,000 by comparing uh, different quarters of 2019 to 2020 payroll. Um, Number three, none of the PPP or EIDL money will have to be shown as income to you on upcoming taxes. In this case, it's exempted. Uh, Number four is 1099 employees cannot be included in your calculation for PPP because technically they could apply for relief on their own as they are independent contractors by definition. Number five, you can still request to be exempted as an employer with 50 or less people in your company from this Family and Medical Leave Act expansion that includes two weeks of paid leave for any employee. And you can be exempted from this if paying them will put your business in jeopardy of failing by having to do it. So I know we want to help our people. I'm, I'm just putting this out there. Um, there's no form for it. There's a letter that has to be sent to a specific place. So if you have questions, send an email or get on that SEC Small Business Center, and they've got all the information about all these things. Those uh, 
But those were just my top five highlights of things in no particular order from that virtual town hall that I found interesting. Um, hopefully that'll help somebody. Next, the PPP has now been replenished. So a lot of places have been accepting new applications over the last few days that had previously stopped taking them. Although the banks are reporting that the SBA website keeps crashing on them. So we'll see how this goes. Um, here's a, just a quick recap on my businesses and these programs. So I have applied for six EIDL loans for my various companies and I have received one advance that showed up in the business account for that company with no other communication about the actual loan or the status of any of the other applications. Um, and that advance helped to cover payroll for one two week pay period and then a few days into the next pay period for that particular company of mine. Um, I have applied for two PPP loans, uh, or for, for two of my companies, excuse me, and have received notice so far that one is going to be funded after I sign a document that I haven't yet received. Um, so again, I guess we'll see. On, on the first PPP, I went through a commercial banker that I have a banking relationship with and use almost exclusively for two of my companies. Uh, you know, with business checking accounts and and all that. So I firmly believe that the only reason that I've received notice on that PPP loan being funded is because he walked it through the process at that bank. So I'll revisit this in, in a couple minutes. Um, I also applied for a third PPP loan for my real estate company late last week to try to keep everybody at full time and full pay as we move toward summer. I actually used American Express for my most recent PPP application because that's the business card that we use for that company. And they uh, announced that they were accepting PPP apps uh, only from their cardholder members. And I'd recommend those types of creative solutions if you're having trouble or you don't have that banking relationship with somebody. Um, and, and I'll talk more about that in a few minutes about this banking relationship thing. But if you can get creative, uh, with the company maybe that your business card is with if you have one or try quickbooks is doing some things or any of those resources that you may have preferred access to with your business i think would be good alternatives and um so specifically my hardware store company uh, has been able to receive another pallet of hand sanitizer a pallet of masks and a pallet of gloves and we have distributed those to local county emergency management that um, that they have been requesting. And we're opening up the rest of that inventory to locally owned small businesses next. So feel free to contact me directly if you're a local small business in Western North Carolina looking at reopening possibly soon and are needing these types of uh, supplies to keep you and your, your staff and your customers uh, as safe as you can. On the gas station side of things, we have partnered with um, with an FFA program. Uh, that's Future Farmers of America for those city dwellers listening. Um, but it, it's affiliated with our the, the local high school where the hardware store is. It's actually my old high school, Smoky Mountain High. Um, I was a member of FFA in high school. It's a great program. So their student members grow plants each year through their horticulture classes to sell as a fundraiser to fund their trips and activities. And they were really concerned about their sales this year uh, because of everything going on. So we were able to have their teacher, uh, who's the head of their FFA 
um, club there, Blake Fox, who I also went to school with, um, bring their plants to, to the main store so we can sell those for their students. So 100% of the proceeds go to their program. And if, if you're in the Silver, North Carolina area and looking for plants in the springtime over the next couple of weeks, Blake is going to keep us stocked up almost daily with those really nice uh, and, and, and super cheap plants and flowers that the students have grown. So check that out. So that's it for the, the business side of things and, and, and the facts section here. And I'm going to talk about my opinions on some things now. I make that distinction here because I have read a couple of really good articles about how people really can't tell the difference. And I'm realizing what a huge problem that is as I try to rack my brain for answers to these protests and things that are happening. Um, the research in one of these articles showed that a majority of high school upper class kids can't differentiate the difference between fact and opinion. And I guess it, it must not be coincidental that we see uh, ultra conservatives protesting about the pandemic in the streets because they, according to this study, shared about seven times more fake information on social media than younger adults or moderates and people considered super liberal. And social media seems to be where these protests first got started and organized. Um, I'll link that article in the episode notes if you want to check it out. There's even a quiz on there for, uh, for you to, to test yourself to see if you can tell the difference. Um, so, I mean, I've been a little baffled by this real thing where, where people apparently are unable to know the difference between fact and opinion. And, I mean, I didn't like the geometry teacher that told me at Smoky Mountain High that some of my answers were wrong on the test that I didn't do so well on. But it didn't change the fact that she was right. And, you know, that's why we were taught math facts and not math opinions. And if I argued about an answer, it was easily proven to me by the educated expert and she could refer to multiple books as far back as 500 BC as to why I was wrong. Certain things are just facts and some of those facts are stated by people that you might not like in an accent that you don't like on a network that you don't like by someone with an education that you don't like by a member of a political party that you don't like by someone of a color that you don't like, or a gender, or likes a different football team, or whatever, but they're still facts. Proven scientific facts. Facts delivered to the world by multiple educated experts in the field. The literal definition of an opinion is a view or a judgment about something not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. So, you know, if we've got people in the streets that are saying things as though they're facts or maybe the reason as to why they're in the street is based on an opinion that they confused as a fact. I just hate it for them. I, I, I don't really know what else to do for them. Um, this understanding of fact and opinion being this gray area now has to also be why politicians know that they can pretty much say whatever they want and the masses really won't know the difference. I think we all assume that they wouldn't just stand there and lie right to our faces, but a lot of them have and apparently are. Um, so, you know, even, even though it's probably hard to tell from this episode so far, I have also talked quite a bit in other episodes about my optimism heading into this 
pandemic and its progression. And I realized that's how I try and tackle things as an entrepreneur. It's my style. I tend to look at obstacles that are in front of something that we're doing with optimism in that, you know, not only can we overcome these obstacles and survive, but if we're as good as I think we can be, we should be able to turn this into something advantageous or significantly improve ourselves and or the company because of the obstacles. Uh, lemons into lemonade or, 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 you know, in this case, maybe lemons into a lemon farm is more of my mindset. So what I've had on my mind this whole time are seven main things that I'm optimistic about. And I just wanted to share those with you. Uh, number one is that I'm not sure that going back to normal is the best plan. Normal wasn't that great for a lot of people. And I definitely think that we should stay in, uh, you know, we shouldn't stay in our homes forever. I'm, I'm talking more about the way that a lot of things in the world operate. For example, I mentioned earlier that I believe wholeheartedly that the reason I may have one PPP almost funded is because a commercial banker that I have a fairly long-standing relationship with walked it through the process. Is that fair? No. Is much of anything about banking fair? Also, no. I don't think it's fair that a guy actually out working every day with his crew and his business, like excavating and moving dirt or landscaping, for example, and may not be thinking that forging a commercial banking relationship is something that he should prioritize over completing the tasks at hand should be punished for it during a pandemic. The guy's thigh deep in dirt or mud for a lot of his day, and he's supposed to somehow work into that a lunch to spark a new banking relationship. That just isn't what most of these guys are thinking about. I don't enjoy it myself, but I have found that it's necessary. And it looks to, to, to me so far that if these small business owners haven't done it, they probably shouldn't waste their time applying for the PPP because it ain't happening. There are lawsuits already filed against Chase and Wells Fargo for allegedly shuffling PPP applications to their own advantage or to the advantage of their favorite clients. You know, like this Roots Chris or the Los Angeles Lakers or that guy in Dallas that owns hotels who had $2.2 billion in revenue last year. And he already received $96.1 million in PPP money. Um, I know that some, like Ruth's Chris, now say that they're giving theirs back, even though it's not clear yet if Chase Bank will give back the $100,000 loan fee that they charge to process it. But the application period for the PPP was opened for everybody on the same day. But those guys have had theirs funded long enough for it to have been applied for, funded, disclosed to stockholders, get out into the public, a backlash happen, a protest, and then an announcement to give theirs back. And in the meantime, the rest of us are still sitting over here with nothing. But you're saying that we all submitted our applications on the same day. And, you know, it's hard to believe that apps weren't shuffled and prioritized. Um, I know this first one doesn't sound positive or optimistic, but what I hope comes out of this is that more people, enough people realize that banking is just unfair to small businesses and it needs to change. The second thing that I hope comes out of this and leads right into the third and fourth is that I really hope that climate deniers can get on board with the fact that humans are playing a big part in climate change. Lo and behold, humans stay inside for five weeks and crazy things start to happen. The earth 
you know, so far as the big winner in this pandemic, all kinds of awesome things are happening around the world. Smog is gone in a bunch of notorious places like L.A. and all over India. Waters are clean and clear in places that had been nasty like Venice with tons of wildlife showing back up over the last couple of weeks. Uh, in my town of Asheville, North Carolina, black bears have been out walking the streets, which is is cool to see. Um, and there are no tourists fishing in our rivers, uh, which, you know, we love our tourists, but it's nice when maybe they're not grabbing the rivers this time of the year. Um, anyway, I think that this also shows us how quickly the earth can start to get things back on track itself if we just make some changes uh, based on what we've witnessed during this pandemic. And I, I hope enough people see that. Um, the third thing is that I'm hopeful for a return to valuing real experts and real expert opinions. This fact and opinion thing probably plays a part in, in this one too. Um, but experts have just been eroded away from a lot of important discussions and decisions being made on a lot of fronts. And I hope that the mishandling of a ton of different things during this pandemic will get us back to thinking about the importance and value that true experts bring to any situation. The fourth hope uh, that I have is a return of real leaders. I read an article a couple of years ago about the percentage of Fortune 500 CEOs that were suspected sociopaths. It was a shockingly high percentage. And if I can find that article, I'll link it in the in the episode notes too. Um, but it makes sense. The, the main symptoms of sociopathy are manipulation, deceit, aggression, and a lack of empathy for others. And there doesn't seem to be a better formula for climbing the corporate ladder than those traits. But I am hopeful for the return of real leadership where self-interests are not the most important thing. Dwight Eisenhower said that Leadership consists of nothing but taking responsibility for everything that goes wrong and giving your subordinates credit for everything that goes well. It's all about making the best decisions, even if the best decision is the worst decision for you personally. And that's what we're missing in our leadership these days. Ours is basically the opposite of that most times. Um, the fifth thing that I have is that People will see the value in small businesses. There are a ton of new reports out showing how many small businesses are closing for good every hour during this pandemic, and it's staggering. So I hope uh, you know that that maybe losing some of these small businesses, and, and through that happening, that the ones that we care about, that that it'll force us to appreciate even more the ones that are left when this is over. And I hope that people see why it's important that we don't import everything and that we learn how to actually do stuff and that these large conglomerates right now are spending more on national TV ads to tell you how much they care about you than most of these small businesses have for payroll in a year. And that's a problem that we can solve if enough people come out of this realizing that places like Walmart are not your friend. And this one bleeds down into uh, into the next one. So my sixth hope is that people realize that corporate welfare is a giant problem. Aside from the money grabs from the PPP that are that these people are paying terrible wages to their people. And it's not just Jeff Bezos at Amazon, but I'm going to use him as an example because he announced a hundred million dollar donation to support the coronavirus fight and to fund food banks. Um, well, you know who needs food banks now? Everybody that Bezos laid off. 
or that isn't being paid a fair wage at Amazon to begin with, or that Amazon isn't providing any paid sick leave to. So we can celebrate his generous contribution because it has a bunch of zeros behind it. But at the end of the day, if you've done the math and a leading economist has, you know, an, an actual expert, his donation amounts to 11 days of income. So if you make $40,000 a year and have ever donated $1,200 to something, you donated as much to that thing you cared about as Jeff Bezos did to combat a global pandemic. You could donate your stimulus check, basically, and be contributing as much of your income to the fight. And my hope is that people see that this is a problem. Why not just pay your people living wages and stop donating so much money to charities that your underpaid employees are then forced to use? Um, I guess maybe you wouldn't get the name on the wing of the hospital where your unpaid sick leave workers get treated if you didn't do it this way. Uh, the, the seventh hope that I have is that people will stop blindly supporting their team. We've chosen sides on a lot of things and we blindly support our team with enthusiastic loyalty. I've had this conversation a few times with my friends in Tennessee, so this one will hit Tennessee listeners the hardest and I'm sorry in advance, but I compare these things to Tennessee football. They haven't been relevant for a while, if we're being honest, but every year because of blind, enthusiastic loyalty, it's going to be their year every spring and they've got a real chance this year to win the sec or get to the playoff or win this particular bowl game then they go another season where they're eight and five and they get a win at brenda's hair care and use tire center bowl and that's fine but it's not a national championship it's not a conference championship my point is that you don't have to keep blindly supporting a shitty team if your team no longer is aligned with your beliefs or your thoughts on important things, or they're not helping the world win, then just pick a new team. You don't have to be a Vol for life. Let's be honest, most of them either didn't go there or probably went to ETSU with me anyway. Um, number eight, the last one is support for the arts. I hope that enough people realize that the arts are what are getting us through the quarantine. We're all doing art projects with our kids or we're journaling or watching motion picture art on Netflix or some other service or we're playing music and listening to music and dancing and drawing and painting or doing Tai Chi or yoga or recording a podcast because that's art, right? Well, it's probably not art when I do it, but it's as artful as I can get. Um, the arts are what keep us sane and entertained and connected and they're deserving of funding and of being made a priority to teach in schools. And if I had to pick a ninth hope, it would be that people see these megachurches for what they are. They aren't doing much for relief efforts now, just like they haven't during most other disasters. But they are asking for SBA loans and getting approved for most of them. And they don't pay taxes. So, on that note, I'll leave it there for today because I guess I've touched on every sensitive topic that there is. And the theme of my update today was apparently lists. But uh, we hope that y'all are doing well and staying safe and sane during this mess. And please reach out with questions or comments um, to me personally or on social media or at the website ea-podcast.com. And we'll be back soon.